Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast after the Monza Formula One Grand Prix in Italy, the Italian Grand Prix. Trevor along with you, with alongside Connor McNally and Harry Tucker. Connor, good morning. It is just before 1am. The simple thing we need to advise people before any anyone who hasn't seen the news, I don't know how you wouldn't have, um, <laughs> should you watch the highlights or the full race, Connor? Oh, I think you'd have to watch the highlights, then listen to us, and then watch the actual race. Oh, controversy, opinion. Harry. What are your thoughts, buddy? Uh, I can just skip it. <laughs> just, uh, just leave this one and maybe read up a few news articles, just get the little bits of information you need. But otherwise, I don't think it even warrants a watch at all. <laughs> oh, that's that's well played, boys. Well played. I, I actually like Connor's idea of uh, if you haven't, seen the news, watch the highlights, come back, listen to us, Jibber, and then find yourself an hour and a half, sit back, relax. Uh, and as we do, thanks to KO, who uh, proudly sponsored the EFGM Formula 1 podcast, fire up KO, go to the full race uh, replay and watch every second of it because it was actually, um, even though it was in some ways processional, it was it was everything we've wanted from a race in a, in, in a long time not just as Australians, but as uh, Formula One fans, um, <laughs> without you know putting too fine a point on it, uh, the eighth Grand Prix win for Daniel Ricciardo, Lando Norris in second, his best ever Formula One result, and Valtteri Bossat in third from the back of the grid. Harry, I, I mean, was there even a sports bet odd for a McLaren one too? No, I actually, because I looked for it and there was not that one. I mean, you could do, you could technically do the dual forecast thing there, but like, for all the other options that you could possibly pick, there was no McLaren one too. Even even the bookies are shocked. Well, even the, the here's how shocked the bookies are, Connor. Yeah. I had twenty on Daniel Ricciardo to win, and I thought, oh, I wonder what's this going to pay. You know, halfway through where I think this is looking good, it was paid. I got thirteen dollars. Thirteen. Yeah. How how was the guy in second place paying thirteenth? in a place where there's often catastrophe on the opening lap, let alone somewhere around. So I think overall, Harry, um, this is unexpected in so many ways. Well, even the team in in the post-race interviews there, Dan was pretty candid in saying that, you know, that, that they thought they were going to get a decent result, but in no way did they think they were going to be leading from, from beginning to end. And and it happened. It just all fell into place. And, oh, what a race. I mean, you know what? I'm standing up. That's how that's how invigorated I am by this, Connor. Um, oh. It's 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 amazing how good this sport is <laughs> oh. when it's actually good to watch. And and I don't know whether it's it's the incidents which we'll get into or whether it's the you know the Aussies in us. But you know what, Connor, we're what? allowed to be this way, um, oh, totally. and that's proven by the British biased Sky commentary, which which is great. Let's be clear. Sky Sports do an unbelievable job of covering the Formula One, but Crofty and Martin are, you know, very biased towards all the UK drivers in their observations mm. and in their support, which is totally fine, but we're allowed to be the same, aren't we, Connor? Oh, absolutely. And given the circumstances of what's happened in the last couple of hours tonight, not just with Dan, but also Oscar Piastri in Formula Two, uh, I think Dan... Um, uh, Crofty and Martin and Ted and probably the rest of the team at Sky Sports are quietly within themselves absolutely furious that <laughs> the Brits have been torpedoed by an Australian to win <laughs> the Grand Prix. And you know what? I fucking love it. Harry, oh, let's... I, let's, I let's let, definitely let, are there. Let's, that's true. <laughs> let, let's look at the opening lap, um, Harry, because it was... If you were sitting in the, in the pre-briefing at McLaren, 
uh, you know, scenarios through the hilt. The, the best and first scenario was Dan, get a good start, get him into the first mm-hmm. turn. And Harry, he did that. Mm-hmm. He did. And look, I'm not, I'm not like a superstitious guy by any real means, but I just had this feeling and it's very easy to say now that it happens, but I had this feeling that he was going to jump it. I just, I don't know why I did, but I did. And he, mm. and he did yeah, in that first corner, he, he made the move and, and that was it. And it, he, it was. It's the type of track as well where it, it's not that easy to overtake. I mean, I feel like we say that for every track now, though. It's kind of with these modern cars and the era that they have. And it was if he could hold out long enough, maybe they can do the, the pit stop that's needed. And, and they end up doing that as well. And then all other drama. But it was everything was set up right from that very takeoff uh, to set him up to the best chance to win. And Because, Connor, what, what was fascinating to me was, and I think this is why it's important to watch the whole race, because you don't even know what the highlights are going to show. But um, for me, you know, I, I made notes seven laps in, 13 laps in, kind of looking at it going, look, Max is, Max is you know, all over Dan. They're, they're, they're there, but he, he couldn't get past. DRS, you needed to be about 0.3, 0.4 seconds coming out of the Alboreto um, Parabolica to, to take advantage of DRS. And Max didn't get closer than 0.7 mm. uh, at, at the entrance to the straight. And so, therefore, the DRS never got him side by side in that opening, uh, in that first corner, Connor. And I think yeah. it was fascinating to watch both Max struggle to get to Dan and Lewis struggled to get to, to Lando. I think basically the point is, regardless if you're within that one second in the DRS zone, you just couldn't get past whatsoever. And as you said, you need to be within 0.3, 0.4 of a second to get to that point where you could pass to get to the lead. And, I mean, Max tried very, very hard. They were both on the same tyres, and Lewis was in a very interesting situation that he started on the hards. And it looked like at one point that it was going to work out. And then I was scratching my head when he made the decision to go into hard. So I was thinking, why would you go into hard? So obviously he, he's made a few dud calls of late in terms of his strategy, Lewis, and it's really starting to hurt him, particularly in this year's championship. Oh, look, I think we, we can look back on strategy for Lewis uh, till the cows come home because we don't really Especially know what would have happened. Especially since they crashed out, yeah. And, mm. and let, let's look at, but just before the crash, I, I made a note that on lap 13, and this, this really grated at me or, or, or kind of... Um, stuck with me that um there was a call that there was frustration on the pit wall this was i think ted relaying you know red bull frustration on the pit wall that verstappen could go a second lap faster if he could get past daniel i think that entire Mm. race um proved that that's rubbish i don't think that anyone um could genuinely say they could go faster because what what it appeared to me through the whole race harry was that mclaren was controlling the race well, you even just had to look at the the sprint qualifying yesterday, where it showed that that it was very hard to overtake over those eighteen laps. And I think you know the, the data should have translated there. I, I don't know, I don't know if it was Red Bull, you know, throwing things through the radio to try and scare McLaren a bit or, yeah. or something like that. But they couldn't have realistically thought that without some kind of incident, without some kind of advantage in the pit stop that it was going to be as simple as him being, you know, one second faster without Daniel making a mistake. Connor, we were all sitting kind of on the edge of our seats as we knew the pit window was approaching. Finally, they told us um, that it was about five laps away and we're kind of anticipating what was going to happen. Both Red Bull and McLaren mechanics came out, but uh, Red Bull did the alternate uh, to Dan and Dan came in. Connor, it was a great stop. It was a beautiful stop, 2.4 seconds. And Red Bull thought, well... That's a bit of a slow stop from their perspective. Of course, let's face it, Red Bull have been fantastic with their pit stops this year. 
But for the first time in quite a while, they cock up Max's stop when he pitted about one lap later, 11.1 seconds. And that really changed the trajectory of the entire race because we saw what was going to happen a few laps later. Um, it was just a big changing moment of the race. Did they? Didn't, I mean, did I miss it or did they not really get to the bottom of what happened in, in Max's stop, Harry? Because I think they were talking about the, the front right, but... It wasn't very obvious what exactly went wrong. Was it just a wheel gun? No. I, I, yeah, I was just just before we were recording, I was trying to look that up and I couldn't get real yeah. anything I think definitive the, I think... other than it was just, yeah, just a problem with getting the wheel, wheel back. Because it looked to I, me I, like all the wheels were on. I, I thought, Connor, it was something more... Um you know, computer related or something like I, that. I th- I thought it must have been like the torque wrench settings on one of the rattle guns because if there's not much um, not much air going into the rattle gun, you're not going to get right. the. T- so that that could have been like a faulty rattle gun or something like that. So we're so- at this point now where Daniel's uh, you know back in you know fifth or sixth or something you know because he stopped, but but he came out ahead of Valtteri Bottas because by the way at this point Valtteri coming from the very back of the grid did very well to, you know, consistently pass people. He was on the hard tires, consistently getting past people. And, you know, essentially he became the the reason for the pit stops because any any longer and he would have, you know, bridged the gap and they would have come out behind him, which would have been disastrous. But we get to the point where, you know, Dan's essentially effective leader, but Lewis is out in front because he did get past Lando Harry, which kind mm-hmm. of took me by surprise. I didn't notice that it happened. I think we missed that. Some but- weird TV directing. This weekend, yeah. To be honest, mm. there was there was a bit of a letdown, you know, uh, overall, wasn't it? There was some weird I, stuff. I, you kind of go to the back of the pack, and we're like, go to the front. I always think when I see this that if this is bothering me, it must be ki- like with you guys having worked in TV, it must be killing you like immensely if that's bothering me. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you know, it's a good it point, does. Harry, because I think the average Joe looks at it and goes, "Why aren't you showing this?" When we all know, and Connor better than anyone, because you work on Speedweek, and and you know you make the decisions about what you show, whether it's in post or live. But the fact is, someone's making a decision. Someone is saying, "Go to that camera, take this thing," and someone's choosing to or not to show a replay. And that's a very strange thing to occur during. We've had a couple of that over the last couple of years. I think um, we, we've talked about. So you know, it's fascinating they haven't really got to the point of fixing that and getting I don't know Nathan Prendergast or someone over to actually do the, the coverage better. But we get to the point where Hamilton's out in front, um, you know, if, uh, uh, in real world, but not not effectively after after stops. He comes in pretty good stop, um, and Lewis Hamilton pulls out of the pits pretty much alongside Max, who uh, who's pitted previously. And you know they're coming into the first corner, first corner, pretty standard stuff. You know that that old age, you know, looking coming through, and it's there's the guy coming out of the pits, and they're going to be side by side as they approach the corner. It all looks pretty exciting, and isn't it a weird thing that I think any other two drivers and you'd be like, this would be good getting through the corner. But I think we all stopped and went, well, this is going to turn to shit, isn't it? Because Harry, it's, it's essentially the form of these two. And maybe that goes to the races that they are. And you can think of center and Prost and all these things over the years. Maybe there is something in that as a, as a world champion elect or whatever, but it just turned to absolute carnage um, was, in that first awesome. corner, Harry. It was awesome. Oh. It was, yeah. You talk about, I think it's the, that that rivalry there in the sense of you you know that when it's that close that it could be that move that risky move that you make that that decides the championship so i think guys like that are always just going to go for it and and sometimes it doesn't work out and today was one of them and didn't work out for them but fuck it worked out for mclaren oh. well, we, we all at the time uh on whatsapp kind of saying racing incident connor where are you at on it now having kind of thought about it and not heard i mean 
Sky are obviously analysing it. Well, we should repeat that we record this immediately after the race, so we have very little, you know, post-race uh, chatter from anyone. But you know, I think everyone with the fullness of time is looking at it, going, "What was it like, Connor? What are your thoughts now? Uh, you know, an hour later." Oh, I still think it's a racing incident, but both of them weren't giving each other any any quarter whatsoever, and basically they were fighting for position. We've seen. Races in Formula 2 where, where cars are side by side and they've they've tapped each other and spun each other out. But this was like they were fighting for the championship and I think they had to go for it. They were basically fighting for position. And Lewis, let's not forget, had come out of the pits on cold tyres, fresh set of tyres as well. Mm. And I think he had the upper hand a little bit. And maybe I think Max rode one of the curbs and that's why he lifted so high into the air and landed on Lewis. So Yeah, and I think Harry, that's what's interesting. There's a the, let's unpack a little bit the curbs and the and the yeah. and the actual crash in a second. But Harry, let me just say to you, I, I mean I've tried to watch and listen a bit as we were setting up the record. I think it's very clear we have two um frames of mind here. Uh, Max believes he wasn't given enough space. Lewis believes, and I I've got to say I think I'm with him on this. Lewis believes that in every other occasion, um, anyone else in that situation, including Lewis on on earlier in the race on turn four, I think it was, went to the curbs and went across and yielded mm. instead of crashing. And I think mm. that's a valid observation at this point, Harry. I think it is. But I also think that, you know, when have you ever seen a racing driver admit fault like that? Yeah. Like no, they're no, always no the, both of them are always going to find yeah they're always going to find the issue in the other driver, um, and I think when it's just that close, when you're really like picking hairs over it, you, you just got to call it a racing incident. Yeah, because yeah. if we start yeah. calling everything that is that close, then people just aren't going to make those moves, and these moves are what make the sport exciting. Because the point is, if there is a call made, then there'll be a penalty issued, and that could jeopardise the the race, the championship, and all those yeah, kind of exactly. things going and you don't forward. Don't want that but, to yeah. be decided by penalty. I think there's two things to talk about about the the physicality of the crash. The first one is, and Paul Deresta made this point about those sausage curbs. Without those sausage curbs, because remember that sausage curb is literally, you know, ten centimeters inside the physical curbing. Without that being there, it wouldn't have actually pushed Max up and across, and I don't think they he would have projectiled up. And so I think from that point of view, Connor the FIA will need to look at where they put those things and how they place them because it's weird that it was um, essentially parallel to the corner as opposed to just being a row of sausage curbs pointing into the corner to essentially slow you down as you as you cross that that um, that chicane corner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's now become more of a safety issue than anything. I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with the sausage curbs. They're there to slow cars down if they go off the circuit. But I think with what we've seen tonight, with what's happened with Verstappen and Hamilton, that almost could have caused us a, a much more serious outcome because it, it, as we saw what happened with Verstappen, he landed right on the, the halo of Hamilton. Mm, and of course, saved Hamilton. Big time. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It, it, if that halo wasn't there, he would have been dead. No question about it, or severely injured, either of the two. But that halo really saved his life again. You know, it's just there'll be some case. amazing camera shots uh, from that car when they bring it back. The one that faces the driver, the the T camera on the top, even the three sixty will show some amazing stuff. Because when you look at it in slow mo, actually, funny when when it happened, you were like, "Oh, Lewis is trying to drive away. He probably can." But then you realize his rear wing was crushed. His the the top of the car was crushed, and that wheel. I am almost confident there's rubber on <laughs> Lewis's helmet. If there's not, it's only because Max 
didn't put any throttle through and it was not spinning. But like without the halo, that is that is a horrific accident. And look, I mean, that's racing. Unfortunately, it's a dangerous sport, but she was... It's, it's it's weird that earlier in the race, I was watching the cars go around thinking, I've really become accustomed to the halos now. I remember not liking it when it first happened and and then thinking now that it's just, it looks like part of the car now. And then mm. moments later, it becomes the thing that, you know, quite possibly saves Lewis Hamilton's um, career, let alone Look, quite, um, life. Go on, go on, Harry. I wasn't saying anything. Oh, no, I was, what I was going to say was... Um... <laughs> <laughs> he thought you were. He was. He was hearing your thoughts, thoughts, Harry. Yeah, I must have because let's look at what happened last year with Romain Grosjean. I mean, that was probably the best case in point of oh, what yeah, happened. Sure. And look, I wasn't a fan of it like you, Trev. But after what happened to Grosjean last year, I have no question that 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 halo is probably one of the best inventions in terms of driver yeah. safety, and it continues to be now with what we saw tonight. So, you know, the the crash was it was a decent length safety car. felt like, I don't know, five or six laps or something. Um, but, you know, it was a decent crash to, to recover because if you haven't seen it, you've got to see the photos in the video. I mean, <laughs> oh. Max's car was still it was nose in the gravel, wheels on top of Lewis's car. So we're talking immense we haven't seen something like this in a while. It was pretty awesome. Um, I say that <laughs> knowing the drivers are safe. And by the way, there was a little uh, point of criticism of Max not checking on Lewis, but I believe he got out of the car, he walked, he turned and looked, he saw Lewis moving, and I, I think he then moved on. I don't think I expected him to go up and say, are you okay, mate? Um, but, you know, there was a little bit of criticism of whether or not he should have checked on him a little bit more. But anyway, um, the race continued, a great restart by by Dan. And at that point, it was just... Daniel Ricciardo controlling the race. Um, it looked like uh, Lando might have been able to go faster, and Lando made a point on the radio, Harry, of kind of saying, are we going to stay like this? I mean, was he looking for team orders? Yeah, definitely. And I think oh. he, in the post-race interview, he said as much as well. And I don't even think that that he thought he could get around him regardless. I think in his head, the justification was I'm leading in the Drivers' Championship and this can secure my lead on top of Valtteri, but like McLaren doesn't give a shit. Like at the end of the day, it's the same amount of points that's, that's going to them that they're going to stay in front of Ferrari, which is what they care about. So why risk it? And I think interestingly, um, as that part of the race went on, you had, um, so the, the positions at this point are almost as they ended, but Sergio Perez got a five second penalty because he cut a corner and didn't give the time back essentially. Um, and he should have, I think in, in every regard, everyone who did that during the race did quite well to give back the time, but, but Sergio just didn't. So he was penalized and put back into fifth. So you have on the track, you, you had Daniel Lando, Sergio and Valtteri. Now Valtteri had come through from the back. He was flying and you got Lando talking about, you know, Dan needs to go faster. But at no point, frankly, apart from I think once, did Valtteri look close to passing Sergio. And that was, you know, one off. And so if it was a one off, it was probably a mistake by Sergio on that lap. So, you know, very clearly, Daniel was controlling the pace. He set the fastest lap on the last mm-hmm. lap as Lando came close to doing the same. So we essentially got a situation where McLaren really did control this race, Connor. Yeah, they did. And and look, they played a very, very calm, calculated race tonight. And Quite clearly, Daniel had the pace over Lando for the first time in a long while, and he won fair and square. And I and I think deep down, Lando was a little bit annoyed that it wasn't him initially. But I think the, those 
those feet, those little moments of anger and you know bitchiness went away. But as soon as he crossed the line, he was obviously joyous yeah. because it's it's a one-two results. McLaren's first win in nine years since the 2012 Brazilian Grand Prix. I mean, it's been a hell of a long time. Since it's McLaren... the first one-two of the year. No it's other incredible. team this year has had a one-two, which in and of itself is a phenomenal statistic. Well, let, let's talk about teams before we do that. Obviously, we do the show thanks to KO, and you can jump on and watch uh, all of practice. And I believe now the people at KO tell me you can watch qualifying as a freebie. So if you don't have KO, next race, which Connor will tell us about shortly because he's the guru of all things statistics <laughs> and schedules, um, the next race uh, is yours to watch free practice, free practice two, free practice three qualifying. You can watch them all for free on KO just by signing up for account. No credit card required, but you know you'll love it so much that you'll want to sign up then to be able to watch the races. And the good news is you can watch it on your smart TV, your Chromecast, or in my case, when the NBN drops out just in the middle of a race, just switch on your mobile phone. You can watch it on your on the app. Um, boys, team-wise, obviously McLaren's the standout here, a, a phenomenal result, the first one-two of the year. And as you said, Connor, a long time coming. Mm. But Harry Ferrari probably... Um, the sleeper there with a with a very good result in fourth and sixth. Yeah, they they did well too. That's especially considering for them that the only team they really care about is of course McLaren. So they yeah. needed to get up there as close as possible. But we've also got two Alpines in the top ten as well. Yeah. Um and Williams getting some points. Yeah, Georgie Russell, uh, Connor getting points for Williams. Uh, Latifi only one point out of the uh, of the ten. Uh, Lance Stroll in uh, in seventh for Aston Martin. Connor, I mean, Aston Martin still feels like they've 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 lost their way, and we know that they've they've given up on twenty twenty one in terms of development. So I guess a seventh and what are they twelfth? Mm. Um, Connor isn't such a bad thing. It's not a bad result for, for Aston Martin, let's face it. Um, they probably would have wanted a better result. Sebastian probably had one of these lackluster, mainly lackluster races tonight, uh, probably wrong places at the wrong time. He was involved mm. in a few incidents when he felt he shouldn't have been. But Lando had a very, very good race tonight. So seventh is probably just rewards for Aston Martin. But as you said, they're not developing the car now. They're looking at 2022. Alpine did really well. I, I was impressed with their pace tonight, even though they weren't really towards the front end of the field, but they got points and that's helping them in their battle for fifth in the in the Constructors' Championship. And as you said, George Russell, two points. That's going to help Williams even more. I mean, yes, he's announced that he's off to Mercedes next year. It's been the worst kept secret in Formula One, but it's going to help Williams' cause moving into 2022 because they've just re-signed Latifi. He's getting into some good form now after finishing the last couple of races. Unlucky to miss out tonight. But it puts him in good stead for next year because he's got Alex Albon joining him next year, and they they could be one of the sleepers of the pack if they, you know, if everything goes well for them in terms of the the package for twenty twenty two. Harry, uh, not a great night for AlphaTauri with um, you know yeah. essentially two oh. car um, out. Uh, Yuki Sonoda failed to take the grid, and Pierre Gasly um, didn't last. What did he last two or three laps or something? So that's that's a shocker. Did we find out what ended up happening to Yuki? Um, um, brake issues. Brake issues. So yeah, yeah. yeah right. they, they basically they they hydraulic issues in the brakes, and they just the car just wasn't stopping. And yeah, they took the car back to the garage. Basically, they just gave up because they they wouldn't have had time to get the the, the problem fixed before the race start within minutes. So yeah, they had no chance of getting the getting the car onto the track. And can I just say on um on Sonoda, who uh, technically is a DNS, did not start. Mm. Um, 
Harry, next time we have the debate about uh, the first uh, retirement, because we've had this debate, people will probably remind me which race it was that I lost a lot of money because I had the first. Monaco. Uh, Monaco. Okay. Yep. Um, on which driver was it, Connor? Connor? Sorry, say again. Which driver was it, Connor? That it I was had? Charles Leclerc. How do you remember that shit? This is just ridiculous. It's Harry just described as remarkable. I mean... Anyway, um, because we should say during the uh, during the race uh, when the big accident happened, uh, Connor's on the wipes and goes, oh, it just reminds me of um, uh, Martin Brundle and Eton Center in the F3. And F3? Oh, I'm like, are you kidding? 1983. There, there's some vision on How the, do on you know that? It's, not, it's like, oh, it's, it's proper Rain Man stuff. In, it, a, <laughs> shut up. Anyway, uh, my, my point, my point was Yuki Tsunoda on the Formula One website under a race result shows as a DNF did not finish. Ooh. So I'm oh, <laughs> next time it happens, dear sports bet, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be on the blower about uh, about the the first retirement because if I had Yuki Sonoda according to the Formula website, I'd be wanting my money right now. Um, just boys on individual t- individual drivers, we talked about pretty much everyone, but um, uh, you know, like isn't it just an awesome feeling? I mean, I know. We just bagged Sky Sports for being British bias, and here we are being Aussie bias. But I feel like this Harry is the win Australia needed right now. Oh, it it is. It was, I, I think, and even you know Crofty at the end there, and he, he obviously wouldn't know the full picture of what it's like here at the moment, but yeah. he obviously had some sense of it, and just like just being ecstatic, like you you know chatting to you fellas and chatting to another group chat, and everyone's just going ballistic. Standing yeah. up for the national anthem and just, oh, there were there were tears, time. there were there tears were, tonight. There, like there of, were people on, being cut late at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like every. Well, every I made Jackson Formula stay up, watch the interviews, watch the podium, stand for the anthem. We waited oh. for the shoey. <laughs> this was the longest we waited after a race to record ever, um, and I'm pretty sure. My wife's going to be pretty unhappy in the morning about the <laughs> loudness we it. went. But you know I what? Think, he, he, I think can my... I just say something really interesting? Um, not interesting, but Daniel Ricardo's posted a photo on Instagram. Um, that's quick. Yeah, 18 minutes ago, right? So that's not long oh, after, mean, right? I mean, it's, it's, obviously, it's, it's obviously not him posting. It's just, no, it's just him but taking a selfie, smiling, and he just wrote, I never left with a trophy. Now, it's it's utterly fascinating, yeah. isn't it, social media? George Russell's already commented. <laughs> um, Oscar Piastri, obviously. But, yeah. you know, everyone's just all in. He is just so bloody happy. I am so – it's just – it's actually going to give me a great step into the week. And oh, I know 100%. this is, is a yeah, weird thing, too. but I've had messages from people I've never had conversations about Formula One with. And it's <laughs> midnight and I've got messages from people going, what a race, how's your man, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just – like it's it's awesome. And this is the kind of thing – as I said, it's it's a weird thing, but it's the kind of thing we need right now. It's, it might only be a small percentage of the community that really get invigorated by it, but – Damn, to see his smile again, it actually re- reinvigorates oh. my interest in Formula One. Oh, it certainly does. And I think we've been crying for it for a while to ha- that we have an interesting race that gets people talking about it. And the funny thing is I've been reading through some of the tweets on, by some of the Australian fans that have been watching Formula One of late, and some of them have become fans all because of Drive to Survive. It's been incredible how Drive to Survive has really reinvigorated the interest of Formula One worldwide, and we're getting a new legion of fans because of it. And I bet you when Drive to Survive comes out next year, we're going to have a very, very good episode with Daniel and the win tonight. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. God, I wonder where Netflix are this weekend. They're probably fucking Alfa Romeo. 
<laughs> or Alfred Towery. Yeah. You know, because remember, Gasly won last McLaren. year, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a turn of fortune. Like, he wins the race last year. Like, so unexpected that we yeah. see him winning that. And then now, 12 months on, he's like bottom of the barrel. It's just, is, yeah. Is Monza like low key the best track in the calendar at the moment? Like, that's Isn't that two weird, years though? in a row we have Should had not be the incredible case. races. Yeah. Under no circumstances would you look at the track, knowing the track because it's a you know um, low downforce track. Um, there's no real aero involved, well, that's which the is thing. also so. So uh, let me I ask think you that this: proves the problem with the sport is the too much aero. But but you know I had an absolute ball watching the F two races. I know Oscar yeah. qualified yeah. first and won the feature race, but it was great racing. And I I know it's weird because I think if you are not a massive fan and you watch the whole race as we recommended, it, you probably don't see the racing, but You've got to imagine. You've got to know what we've been through over the last few years to realize how close it was to have. I think four cars within seconds of each other. Right? I mean, um, let me look. The gap from first to third was four point nine seconds. I, I don't imagine that's been the case for a long time. So, you know, that's kind of what we're dealing with here, and and I think that that's obviously problematic of the sport. Um, Connor, uh, we should run through some standings. Uh, yes. Let's start with constructors. Let's look at the top four constructors. Oh. Where do you begin? Like, uh, well, Mercedes, one. yeah, of course. Well, Mercedes, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. Okay, uh, can Mercedes, you start with number nine. Number nine. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo is nine. No, Mercedes Benz. They did get a, an added advantage tonight with Valtteri finishing on the podium, 362.5 points ahead of Red Bull's 344.5 points. So there's an 18 point gap. Between those two at the moment as we go to Russia, McLaren, they now move ahead of Ferrari by 14 points, well, 13 and a half points. 215 to Ferrari's 201 and a half points. That's a mouthful. Alpine now fifth in with uh, 95 points, ahead of Alfa Tauri on 84, who scored zip tonight. Aston Martin with a seventh-place finish, 59 points. Mercedes now moved to uh, 22 points in eighth position. And, of course, Alfa Romeo ninth on three points. And Haas with a big, fat zip. Yeah, uh, well, well done, Haas. You're doing real great stuff. Driver standings. Uh, let's Driver's again stand. maybe start at the top with number one. Yeah, <laughs> number one. Well, no chance. Well, because of Max winning the um, well, Max finishing second last night in terms of the um, the sprint race, uh, gained a, ne- a couple of points over Lewis Hamilton. So with them not scoring any points tonight, the standings are Max on two twenty six and a half points, five ahead of Lewis Hamilton on two twenty one and a half points. Valtteri Bottas extends his gap over Lando Norris, only just by about um, nine points, 141 to 132 for Norris. Sergio Perez on 118. Charles Leclerc leading uh, Carlos in the Ferrari standing, so 104 to 97 and a half. Daniel Ricciardo moves back to eighth on 83, ahead of Pierre Gasly on 66. And then Fernando Alonso in the top 10 on 50 points, five ahead of his teammate Esteban Ocon. Yeah, um, you know, I, I just, I'm kind of, buzz for what's next because this Lewis Max thing as much as it's you know a ridiculous rivalry it's fun because Lewis always needs rivalry um it pushes him over the limit sometimes pushes him to the limit even though actually this race he was quite conservative I feel like um Martin Brunner made the point he actually didn't take too many risks which was smart but the next you know next little while is going to be super exciting and we we now go Turkey United States Mexico Brazil should have been um, Australia, um, but what what do we actually expect from Turkey in uh, on the tenth of October? Is, when, no, we go. No, no, Russia. sorry, um, Russia so, next. Yeah, 
I mean, it's Snorfest probably. Yeah, if, that's if we're so, honest. Yeah, I think Sochi's we're going to go. Been bad for us, hasn't it? Yeah, it, look, it wasn't the best of races last year. Actually, last year. year wasn't that bad, wasn't it? No, it wasn't that bad. I mean, look, it wasn't the worst. Valtteri won the wasn't the worst race, but Valtteri won that one, and of course he had the best radio race radio I've heard all year post race. To whom it may concern, fuck you. So, which was like. Yeah, that was his yeah, way of trying it. to stick it up to Mercedes, which, look, let's face it, it's um, not really worked out for him. Cause How'd he's that go for him? Yeah. For yeah. So, yeah, two weeks' time. And a good thing is it's a 10 p.m. start, so it's an hour earlier race start yes. time, but helps us a little bit. What we want to hear. There's not many of those. Is the Daniel win. There's not Almost. many of those race times, so although the uh, U.S. Grand Prix is 6 a.m. so uh, That's not too bad. That'll be fascinating. Boys, I don't know how I'm going to sleep, I'll be honest. Um, my alarm's set for th- uh, five, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not sure I'm going to bother because I'm just just fired up. Uh, <laughs> I could watch it again now, actually. What do you reckon? Oh. I mean, it's just such a great start to the week. I'm, I'm really pumped by it. It was a great race, um, good to watch, enjoyable in kind of every way. And a fucking great win by Daniel Ricciardo, boys. Uh, I can't wait for the uh, Russian Grand Prix just to see the interviews with Daniel in the in the three days on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I reckon, Harry. Ah, oh, I just I'm pulling not only tomorrow off, but Tuesday and Wednesday for that. I, I think I have to. It will make and, some calls uh, on your behalf. Yeah, no, I I coincidentally do have tomorrow off, so it's. <laughs> I'm going You're to be lucky. streaking through the streets of Sydney once we get off this. So if you see me in the news in the morning, you'll uh, you'll know why. <laughs> Good oh, luck to well, you. Hopefully, Connor, you uh, you can get some work done tomorrow, and it's not too uh, not too much of a drag being up at one twenty. But I don't know how anyone's oh, going to no, sleep. I'll be, at this I'll, hour. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I usually survive on about four or five hours sleep, so no, I'll be fine. But the I fascinating thing for people to watch will be what happens with Lewis and Max. Who gets a penalty, if anyone? Let's hope. Honestly, let's hope it's no one because you know that's racing, and frankly, make them do it again. Um, <laughs> that's that's what we want. We want that kind of wheel to wheel. We need that wheel to wheel. We need that aggression. There was a bit of it in this race from a lot of oh, drivers. Yeah. There was a, there was a few taps and touches, um, but uh, yeah, man, I'm, I could talk for hours. Boys, get some sleep if you can. Um, <laughs> oh, I got to try. Maybe a shoey in the morning. Maybe oh a yeah. Now. I might go get. Well, I've got nothing to drink, but yeah. I'll find something. (laughs) See you, boys. (laughs) See ya.